All right, everybody, welcome back to the showcase. I'm your host, Paris Jackson. On today's episode, we got the Nuggets and the Bulls. Going to go with Chi-Town and Denver, two major cities, two lovely cities that we can get into immediately. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the showcase. And before we really get into the historical view of this series as we get into really almost the last third, right? We got six more weeks left until tip and uh, six more teams from Easter Conference to go through. That being said, we did get some news finally right before Labor Day. I hope everybody had a good Labor Day, by the way. I know it was scorching hot here in Southern California. It was just something to deal with. Man, temperature's incredible. I think yesterday, Tuesday, Sacramento broke a record for heat. They were up to like 115, 120 in some parts, which is just ungodly. San Diego was hot. L.A. was scorching. Man, so, you know, we got we got beat up on this Labor Day weekend, man. We were pretty much melting. I felt bad for my poor dog with all this fur. I was like, dang, lucky me. Uh, but right before the weekend, we did get the news. We've been waiting what feels like all summer for this Donovan Mitchell trade to go through, and it finally went through. Um, and both sides could be pretty happy, right? The the Cleveland Cavaliers get a dynamic point guard and, and severely upgrade that position and don't really give too much away. Of course, they do give you know a few picks uh, to get the deal done to get Donovan Mitchell, but mainly it's a Colin Sexton sign and trade for a few draft picks along with um you know just the pieces that made the contracts works but really you're you're taking the the Colin Sexton potential walk away that could have been and turning it to Donovan Mitchell and just saying like hey you know we think we have a window here so let's go ahead and capitalize on it while we can and bring in Donovan Mitchell, which I think is an excellent pickup for the Cavs. I'm almost sad that we did the Cavs episode already just because I think that changes their dynamic on really how they're going to proceed this season. Bringing Donovan Mitchell in is just a huge, huge win for them. It's just a huge win for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And for Utah, I mean, what they've been able to do in this rebuild is a credit to Danny Ainge. I mean, they've turned Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert into a bunch of young talent in Malik Beasley, Taylor Horton Tucker, Colin Sexton, Stanley Johnson, uh, Walker Kessler. They also brought in Lori Markinen, <laughs> Jared Vanderbilt, uh, the draft pick from Cleveland, Adbaji, um, and of course, Balmero as well, another young player. Then they got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven first rounders between now and 29, and then three more pick swaps on top of that uh, for two players who were who were likely to leave um, anyway, or just be happy and continue, you know, the the jazz and mediocrity. So shout out Danny Ainge for bringing all these young pieces in and, and rather quickly. Um, you know, I would, I, usually we talk about winners and losers of trades, but I think this was a pretty pretty fair trade with both. Both teams being happy. I guess the only real loser would be, you know, the Knicks for not getting them. But that's pretty much the case with the Knicks all the time. Uh, you know, as we talked about in that episode, whenever it comes to their ability to, you know, garnish a superstar or, or make a trade that works out in their favor, the Knicks come up short. 
And uh, unfortunately, they weren't able to bring Donovan back home to New York. But uh, I think this trade with the Cavs and the Jazz, I mean, man, it, it sets the Jazz up for a, a, a more well-structured rebuild. And for the Cavs, it sets them up to maybe not be the top team in the East. Obviously, I think, you know, a fully healthy Bulls team, which we'll talk about, could be better. You know, obviously the Bucks are still going to be elite. The Nets, if they can pull it together, the Sixers are going to be pulled together. But, you know, obviously the Cavs solidified themselves, in my mind, as a playoff team for sure. Um, you know, avoiding the play-in and, and potentially could could be even better depending upon how they are able to, you know, stay healthy and, and get these pieces to work together, especially quickly. I mean, tra- training camp starts here pretty soon. Like I said, opening tip is in six weeks. So, you know, we'll see how it ends up working out for the Cavs, but it is very, very exciting um, for, you know, Donovan Mitchell, the Jazz, and Cleveland, and everything like that. Um, So very, very impressed by the trade, and that was really the big piece of news we got. We also got Montrez Harrell going to Philly. Philly is, you know, continuing to try and put the pieces together. Darren Morey is, is committed to building around James Harden and Joel Embiid, brings in Montrez Harrell, which should be interesting. That sounds to me more like, you know, Mon- uh, Montrez will come in as the four rather than the five unless they try to build a small ball lineup that doesn't involve Embiid, maybe bolster the off-court minutes when Embiid's off-court. We'll talk about that more when we get to Philly episode. But, you know, things are moving. And I think in the next, you know, month here as football season gets ready to kick off, we'll, we'll continue to get a, a maybe a, a, a trickle in of some things. I doubt we get any more blockbuster moves. But uh, we'll get a triple trickle of some movement here and there um, as we move forward. And, man, it's just an exciting time. Six weeks away. Six weeks away here. Um, so without further ado, let's get to today's episode. The six seeds in their respective conferences. We're going over the Nuggets and the Bulls. And we are going to start with the team that has had the back-to-back MVPs Um for the last two seasons, and Nikola Jokic, right? So let's rewind our clocks all the way back to that 2011-2012 season for Denver. Right now, George Carl is the coach. Masai Ujiri is the GM of the team. The team still has Carmelo Anthony, but he had just left during the offseason. The team has made the playoffs the last eight seasons, but have had a first-round exit in seven of them, except for the 2008-2009 Conference Finals appearance where they lose to the Lakers, right? Carmelo Anthony versus Kobe, for those of you who remember that series. Um, you know, And the Nuggets, because of their success so far, are stuck with the 22nd overall pick in the first round of the draft and select Kenneth Fareed. They also trade... Andre Miller for Raymond Felton. Raymond Felton was on the team for a while, but they bring in Andre Miller instead, along with Jordan Hamilton and a second-round pick. They also bring in Corey Brewer and Rudy Fernandez by trading away that a couple of years down second-round pick um, and some trade exceptions, right? About midway through the 2011-2012 season, they also trade Nene away to bring in a younger JaVale McGee only plays 20 of the 66 games that season but has an immediate impact you know basically averaging a double double um, in those 20 games that he played so JaVale was was fresh on the on the scene um, your leading scorers now that you know Carmelo is off the team you have Aaron Afalo, Ty Lawson, Danilo Gallinari um, you know Kenneth Reed as I mentioned played some valuable minutes 
Al Harrington and Timothy Mozgov played, you know, as center, but didn't really score so much. He was more more their rebounding force. But that's basically your team. Aaron Afalo, Ty Lawson, Danilo Gallinari. This is kind of like the Danilo Gallinari show for a couple of years. You almost forget, you know, a young Danilo Gallinari was fairly valuable to the franchises that he played on. Um, so, you know, to see him land on the Celtics and this year, it's, it's interesting what his role is going to be and how it's changed since back then. I mean, he wasn't necessarily killing things. He was like 40% from the field, 32% from deep, 15 points a game. Uh, but he was only 23 in this season and was kind of making a name for himself. Team goes 38 and 28 to go sixth in the West. Um, lose uh, yet again to the, in the first round to the Lakers, but they did take this one all the way to seven. That brings the first round exits to eight in nine years, um, and most of them coming under head coach George Carl, so he's starting to be a little bit under fire. They land the 20th overall pick and select Evan Fournier. They also trade away Aaron Afalo and Al Harrington to bring in Andre Iguodala, who would only play one season with the Denver Nuggets, but would play a valuable role. And the Nuggets continue to do well despite, you know, having lost Carmelo Anthony two seasons prior. It, it, it's kind of one of those things where they lose their best player, but the team is, has has had enough people step up where they don't really lose any stride. Maybe that's due to the coaching of George Carl or just, you know, the uh, the altitude in Denver. Who knows? The team goes 57-25 and 25 to finish third in the West. And that's actually five straight 50-win seasons um, minus the lockout year, right? So the lockout year, they didn't get to 50, 50 wins, but they won 58% of their games. Um, and a 50-win season is basically 60%. So they were right there. And I'm sure if they had, you know, played the rest of the season, they could probably go 12-4, and four, maybe uh, to get to that 50 wins, but who knows? But 2012-2013, they do go 57-25, and 25, finish third in the West. George Carl wins Coach of the Year. Masai Ujiri wins Executive of the Year. Um, and luckily those for them, those awards are given out before the playoffs because they actually face Golden State Warriors in the first round and end up losing in six despite being up um, and having home court advantage. The Warriors just were too much for them and knock knock the nuggets out. Uh, following that season, so Masai Ujiri leaves for the gig in Toronto and George Carl is fired uh, and they are replaced by Tim Connolly and Brian Shaw respectively, Brian Shaw taking over head coach roles. They do believe what many new GMs do in the role, which is come in and immediately try and make a splash. Um, and, you know, talking about Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell at the top of this thing and then going through the history is uh, is kind of ironic because the Nuggets actually select Rudy Gobert in the first round with the 27th overall draft pick in the 2013 draft, um, but then immediately trade him away for Eric Green um, and Cash. So they basically traded him for a second round pick, seeing as they selected Rudy Gobert, you know, at the end of the first round. And Rudy has gone on to win, you know, multiple defensive player of the years and play a really good role. Um, you know, the following season is when they, they select Nikola Jokic in the second round draft. So they really, you know, didn't have a big man um, <clears throat> at that point or maybe just believed in, in JaVale McGee enough to warrant trading away Rudy Gobert. And, and you know they got to be kind of kicking themselves for that 
decision, you know, 10 years removed, but they did select him, immediately traded him away from Eric Green. Eric Green, the reason you probably don't know his name is he really only played two seasons in the NBA uh, and was immediately waived and nobody ever picked him up after that. So um, reasonable that he would be a labeled a mistake by, you know, this team for having traded Rudy Gobert for him. Moving on, though, um, you know, they do trade away Andre Iguodala to bring in Randy Foy with a couple of draft picks to Golden State, um, you know, at the start of the season, which, you know, it's unfortunate, right? Because basically they've turned Aaron Afalo, who was one of their leading scorers, and Al Harrington, who played valuable minutes, into Randy Foy, uh, who wasn't long for the team, right? So the team is still struggling. Uh, and about the trade deadline, they trade away Andre Miller to bring in Jan Vesely, and then they also trade away Jordan Hamilton to bring in Aaron Brooks, right? So none of these players are really making a difference, but they do trade away Andre Miller, Andre Iguodala, uh, and Rudy Gobert all in the same season who would have you know, been valuable to the team moving forward. Um, Unfortunately, Brian Shaw as head coach is obviously not doing very well in his first season as George Carl's replacement. The team goes 36 and 46 to finish 11th in the West and misses the playoffs for the first time in a number of years. Um, and entering the 2014-2015 season are granted a pretty decent pick. They got the 11th overall pick with which they select Doug McDermott. In the second round, they do get Nikola Jokic um, with the 41st overall pick in the draft or the 11th pick in the second round, for those of you that like to calculate that way. Um, and then immediately they trade Doug McDermott along with Anthony Randolph for Gary Harris and Yusuf Nurkic, um, which Gary Harris is basically still on the team to this day, and Yusuf Nurkic is very similar to Nikola Jokic. So it's funny that they picked up both of these Eastern European centers um, that have shown some talent. Now, obviously, Jokic's career has panned out a little bit better than Nurkic's, um, but, you know, them, these, and those are the breaks. They also trade away Evan Fournier, who'd been with the team for a couple of years here, to bring Aaron Afalo back. Uh, kind of regretting the decisions that they had made bringing in Andre Iguodala, right? Because now they've they've traded to bring Aaron Apollo back. Um, and then they also trade away Timothy Mozgov. They trade for um, Jameer Nelson by trading away Nate Robinson. Like, these boys are busy this 2014-2015 season. Um, because before the season is even out, they trade away Aaron Afalo and Alonzo G to bring in Will Barton, Thomas Robinson, 2016 first-round pick, uh, and some trade trade exceptions. They also trade away JaVale McGee, who had built some value um, to bring in the draft rights to Senk Ekyal. Uh, so they love those you know, Eastern European guys. Um, but uh, the team doesn't do very well, right? On March 3rd, Brian Shaw is relieved of his head coaching duties, and Melvin Hunt is named interim head coach to finish out the season. Yusuf Nurkic is able to make the all-rookie second team, uh, which is you know good for him, but the team goes 30-52 and 52 to finish 12th in the West. 
which brings us to the 2015-2016 season where Mike Malone is named head coach, who is still head coach to this day. Um, and the Denver Nuggets with the seventh overall pick select Emmanuel Moutier. Very shortly after that, they trade Ty Lawson in a second-round pick to the Houston Rockets to pick up Joey Dorsey, Nick Johnson, Costas Papanakalau, Pablo Prigioni, and a 2016 first-round pick. Um, and the team does better but not great that year, right? So Jokic, after being held up for salary cap issues, is able to play, and him and Emmanuel Moutier both make the all-rookie first and second team, respectively. So obviously some young rookies making a splash. The team does 33-49, and 49, so only improves by three games, finishes 11th in the West, and misses the playoffs for a third year in a row. Um, and the third year since George Carl left. 2016-2017 season, things continue to improve as they select Jamal Murray, Juancho Hernan Gomez, and Malik Beasley, utilizing those picks that they had gotten in some previous trades, like the Ty Lawson trade, um, as well as the Timothy Mozgov trade that would, that you know that allowed them to pick up some additional draft picks. And obviously Jamal Murray is is a pretty good steal. Malik Beasley's still you know um, around the league, though not for this Denver team any longer. Um, what strikes me as strange through all the research on this, just as a side note, because they also make a trade this offseason. They trade away Yusuf Nurkic to the Blazers along with a first-round draft pick and a second-round draft pick to bring in Mason Plumley. And that's just something I just don't understand. Like Mason Plumley has repeatedly been traded um, from team to team. Like it's it's kind of impressive how much this guy has just made his way around the league um, for being a career eight points a game. Um, you know he's fifty eight percent from the field, but that's because obviously he's a big doesn't ever shoot any threes, like 56% free throw shooter, you know, six rebound a game type of guy. And he's made it onto a bunch of teams and just been traded, right? Um, Mason Plum, like Mason Plumley, acquired by the Portland Tramp Blazers for Steve Blake and draft rights to Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson I'd honestly probably rather have. Um, then they, now he's traded to the Denver Nuggets for Yusuf Nurkic and two first round picks. And then just recently he was traded to the Hornets, uh, for basically two first round picks. So it's like, I guess less than I, I really thought, but his name just pops up everywhere, man. He's just been on, um, a few different teams. Um, but anyway, I, I digress. The point is the Nuggets pick him up and send Yusuf Nurkic away they also trade for Roy Hibbert which is interesting because in a 2016-2017 season Roy Hibbert was like a step away from retiring so to trade a, a basically a, a throwaway second round pick to bring in Roy Hibbert is kind of weird I assume that's more so to just coach up Jokic and Plumlee and the players in the set uh, the uh, players in the center role um, anyway the season doesn't go much better for Michael Mike Malone here in his second season the team does improved yet again though Jamal Murray 
makes all-rookie second team. The team goes 40-42 and 42 to finish ninth in the West. They missed the playoffs by one game, um, you know, a game that they weren't involved in. But unfortunately, you know, obviously the way the records and the tiebreakers shook out, they, uh, they missed the playoffs by one game which led to them getting the 13th overall pick in the next round where they would select none other than Donovan Mitchell. Um, so for those of you keeping track here, they've in a number of consecutive years selected Rudy Gobert, Nikola Jokic, Emmanuel Moutier, Jamal Murray, and Donovan Mitchell, which would probably be a hell of a team. Emmanuel Moutier is probably the worst out of the players I just ne- mentioned. But if you could have, let's say you had Jokic at the four, Gobert at the five, Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell running the one and the two, like that's a solid-ass team. Um, you know, you would just have to find somebody to play the three. But even, you know, in a, in a weird way, um, you could – get probably Gary Harris in there to play the three and just have like an oddly sized three. Um, But anyway, so anyway, so they select Donovan Mitchell, but as they do, they quickly trade him away for Trey Lyles and Tyler Lydon, neither of which is still in the league. So, you know, you can tell Tim Connolly's kind of kicking himself for that decision. And, but the season finally gets better. Um, they go to 46 and 36 to have their first winning season um, since George Carl was head coach, which is all the way back in 2012, 2013. And now we're talking about 2017, 2018. Um, and they had a basically win or go home type game against Minnesota at the very end of the season. And the winning team would advance to the playoffs. Minnesota, wins that game to go ahead and advance to the playoffs to break their 14-year drought. And unfortunately, that means the Nuggets get ninth in the West and miss the playoffs. Now, this is probably a precursor to where we are at today with the play-in, right? Because obviously it sounds very much like the play-in, right? It just happened to shake out that these two teams were closely um, correlated in the standings and, and came down to a last game kind of play-in type scenario. Uh, and Minnesota won. Denver lost, right? Moving into the 2018-2019 season, the Denver Nuggets select Michael Porter Jr., 14th overall in the first round, as well as Justin Jackson in the second round, but quickly trade him away for Jared Vanderbilt, yet another player that's been traded this offseason that we're mentioning. Um, They bring in Jared Vanderbilt. They also trade away Kenneth Freed and a first-round pick and a second-round pick to bring in Isaiah Whitehead. Isaiah Whitehead, another player that is no longer in the league that they're just giving away draft capital for. Um, Jokic makes first team all NBA, and the team wins 54 games. They go 54 and 28. They finish second in the West. This is probably their best finish in franchise history. It's also their best record, including um, all the George Carl years. So it's best record in franchise history. They go 54-28. and 28. They beat the Spurs in seven in the first round, but unfortunately have a battle with the Blazers uh, to also lose in the second round, uh, in seven in the second round. It's their first second-round appearance since 2008-2009 where they made the conference finals, uh, but obviously the team is improving every year, right? So if we go back to basically when Brian Shaw took over the reins, they were 36 wins, I guess they took a step back, 30 wins, 33 wins, 
40 wins, 46 wins, 54 wins, right? So the team is improving season after season. Uh, entering the 2019-2020 COVID-shortened season, they acquired Jeremy Grant by trading away a 2020 first-round pick. They also trade away Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, and Jared Vanderbilt to bring in Jared Gerald Green, Keita Bates-Diop, Noah Vanley, and Shabazz Napier, the last of which they trade away to the Wizards to bring in Jordan McRae. So lots of changes entering that 2019-2020 season, the main one being basically bringing in Gerald Green and Jeremy Grant. Those are their, their two players that play you know, probably the most out of that bunch of players that just got traded. Jokic makes second team all NBA. The team goes 46 and 27. So it does take just a step back. Goes third in the West. Um, they go three and five in the seeding games, which were essentially just tune up games. So, you know, their record probably would have been a little bit better. I imagine they got to, they get to 50 wins, had the whole season played out. Um, but they go three and five in the seeding games and then just have an epic, epic playoff run. Um, where, you know, they go down three, one, against the Jazz. That's where Donovan and Mitchell and Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray really make a name for themselves by having like back to back to back to back 50 point performances in the first round of the bubble. Um which was just absolutely amazing to watch. Like if anybody remembers that first round of the playoffs or wants to just go back and watch it like the seeding games, a lot of people were like, "Oh, it doesn't matter, you know, but like sports are back, that's awesome." But then when these playoffs kick off, like Jazz Nuggets was the watch like the must watch series I would say of the playoffs honestly like I don't remember another entertaining series throughout the course of the playoffs that was as entertaining as Jazz Nuggets was and the Nuggets came back from being down 3-1 led by Jamal Murray in some crazy ass games they force a game 7 and then they win and then the moving on to the next round you're like oh man no way that this is to get any better um but they go down 3-1 to the Clippers and do the same thing. You know, this time, obviously, with some epic, epic collapses by the Clippers, especially in that game seven where they just absolutely, I think they went up by like 35 and then ended up collapsing and losing in the game seven to have the Nuggets advance to the Western Co Conference Finals. But it's just like the Nuggets, man, epic, epic playoff run. And I think a lot of the respect that I hold for the team now and Mike Malone and Jokic and, and you know, will they, won't they of the Nuggets is built on this very specific playoff run. Um, now, it didn't end very well. They made it to the Western Conference Finals and went down 3-1 to the Lakers but could not, you know, make it three in a row and unfortunately lose, um, you know, in a gentleman sweep to the Lakers on their way to eventual championship. Um, and it's kind of funny. So looking back through the history of the Nuggets, the they've made the Western Conference Finals three times. They've never made a finals. Um but they've made the Western Conference Finals three times. And all three times, they played the Lakers. And two out of three times, they were gentlemen swept. Um, they got gentlemen swept in 85, and they got gentlemen swept in 2020. And then in 09, they almost got gentlemen swept, but they lost in six. Um, so it's kind of fun. It's weird. History kind of repeats itself, right? If the Lakers beat the Nuggets in the finals, in the Western Conference Finals, the Lakers will go and play in the finals. Um, not only will they play in the finals, but they will go on to win the finals. So the the Lakers won in 1985, 2009, and 2020, and all three of those times beat the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. 
crazy, crazy how history repeats itself. Um, I mean, it is the Lakers, and of course they have you know a ton of championships to point towards. But the fact that they've met the Nuggets, uh, or all three times the Nuggets went to the Western Conference Finals, they lost um, to the Lakers, and the Lat Lakers team would go on to win the championship is just one of those funny things that happens in life. Uh, and unfortunately, the Nuggets would never reach that point again up to this point, right? Um, so entering the 2020-2021 season, they had the 22nd overall pick, take Zeke Naji, who has yet to see the light of day. They also trade away a 2023 first-round pick to bring in RJ Hampton, who would play some limited time for the team um, and uh, before being traded along with Gary Harris and a 2025 first-round pick for Gary Clark and Aaron Gordon. Um, JaVale McGee was also brought back from the Cleveland Cavaliers in exchange for Isaiah Hartenstein, a 2023 second-round pick, and a 2027 second-round pick. Um, but the team doesn't really improve. They go 47-25 and 25 to finish third in the West, which isn't necessarily fair for the Nuggets. For those of you that remember, Jamal Murray tore his ACL in a meaningless game against the Warriors. I'm not going to say it's absolutely meaningless, but they had already lost. Um, you know, the Nuggets had already lost and were down by an insurmountable amount when Jamal Murray got injured. And I've talked about that before when talking about the Nuggets. Um, so their record probably should have been better than 47 and 25. I imagine they would have got somewhere around like 55, 57 wins. I, I imagine um, eh, maybe not that many, maybe like, 52 55 wins had Jamal Murray not torn his ACL um but you know they they make it through the Blazers beat them in six in the first round um and uh then they lose to the Suns and are swept by the Suns in the second round but at least they make it right um so then after that that brings us to this most recent season where they take Bones Highland with the 26th overall pick who's proven to be pretty pretty good for them uh they also trade away bull bull and pj dozier midway through the season bring in bryn forbes Jokic wins mvp again uh and makes first team all nba of course bones highland makes all rookie second team team only goes 48 and 34 though the finish sixth in the west uh and they lose to the warriors in the first round by being gentlemen swept though again the nuggets have had to do a lot with Basically, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. out. Um, you know, Michael Porter Jr. had back problems when he got drafted 14th overall. That's why he fell 14th overall to get drafted in that 2018 draft. But over the last few years, hasn't been able to stay on the court um, too much. And even when he is on the court, isn't a isn't a huge help. Regardless, the Nuggets, you know, chose to cash him out. And as we enter this season. Um, they've already made some changes. They traded away Will Barton and Monte Morris to bring in KCP and Ish Smith. Um, they also traded away Jamichael Green and a first-round pick to get the draft rights to Peyton Watson. So hopefully he works out for them, the 19-year-old you know rookie that they have this season. Um, but their team is pretty much going to be their team for the next you know three, four, five years, assuming that there's you know, no major trades, right? So this year, the largest player on the books are Jokic, Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. That's not necessarily your starting five, 
Uh, but it could be, right? KCP running the one, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter at two and three. Um, Aaron Gordon, of course, taking the four. And then Jokic at the five spot. You don't got a bunch of size, but you do got, you know, some creative scoring and KCP being able to facilitate the offense as well as Jokic and take some of that burden off of him. The bench, unfortunately, gets really lackluster after that. Um, not a bunch of not a bunch of depth on this team, so that is a concern for the Nuggets moving into this season. Uh, but you do have the back-to-back MVP on the team. You hopefully have the return of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., um, who at 24 and 25 and both locked down through the 2025 season, um, you know, gives this team hope. My concern for the Nuggets is the depth. Uh, I know the coaching is there. I know you'll get, you know, great, great play um, if this team is healthy from your starters, but you just got to worry about the depth, right? Ish Smith, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, all coming off the bench, Bruce Barron. Like, you know, you, you gave up a lot. Um, to get your starting five so you really need and of course i didn't mention bones highland but him as well coming off the bench like you need all these players to do their best um luckily if you don't um you do have a bit of your own draft capital um the next two years you have obviously top top 15 uh, lottery protected draft pick or it goes to charlotte um, you have your 2024 pick in the event that the 2023 does get conveyed to Charlotte. But then after that, you know, it gets tough. Basically, 25, 26, 27, 28, and 29 are all spoken for unless you somehow end up in, with a top five pick, which is going to be super tough. Um, you know, that would mean the team has absolutely cratered and for the Nuggets, I feel like they're just going to be stuck in this kind of middle of the pack, probably too good for the play-in, but not good enough to really make a, a splash and, and make a championship run. You know, um, they just, they're not going to have the depth. They're not going to have the shooting to go far, unfortunately. So I'm not necessarily crossing them off, but I would start to look at the division <coughs> to see if there's another team you like more than this Nuggets team as we go into this season uh let's take a quick break and we'll come back and do the bulls all right chicago shy town shy city shy rack you know let's rewind the clock all the way back to that 2011 2012 season um and it's very fun to look back on that bulls team from this era right you got Tom Thibodeau is the coach. It's his second year. He had just won coach of the year, um, you know, the first of two times that he would do so. Derrick Rose is coming off his MVP season. You just selected Jimmy Butler with the 30th overall pick in the draft. Um, and bring in Nikola Mirotic as well. So there is buzz around the city regarding this Bulls team. Now, the lockout shortened season you know, will be remembered as D-Rose going down in game one of the playoffs against the Sixers, um, you know, but the team did get the first overall seed. They went 50-16, and 16, which is impressive, impressive to do in a shortened season to still reach that 50 wins. Um, obviously good enough to finish first in the East. You know, just to give you an idea who was on the team, you had Carlos Bruiser, Ronnie Brewer, Omar Ashik, Kyle Korver, Joakim Noah, Taj Gibson, Luol Dang, C.J. Watson, right? 
course, Derek Rose. Rip Hamilton was off the trash heap, uh, even though he only played 28 games for the team. Now, and I think gets forgotten a lot of the times. Obviously, you know, Joakim Noah and Carlos Boozer were your, your basically your leading scorers next to Luol Deng. Um, and, of course, Derek Rose. But Derek Rose missed 27 games this season due to injury, um, which is like half. He missed. He had already missed about half of the season when they're going into this playoff series against the eighth-seeded Sixers. Um, and basically they go up big on the Sixers. There's like a few minutes left. He's, Derek Rose is still in the game and obviously tears his ACL and he's done. And it would he'd never he'd really never be the same. Um, you know, he had that season where he played for the Timberwolves and dropped 50 on him, but he's really never, ever been the same Derrick Rose since that injury, um, which happened in this 2011-2012 season. Um, but I think the reason that they lost in the first round to the Sixers was because they also lost Joakim Noah for games four and five to an ankle injury because he injured himself at the end of game three. Um, so without, you know, Noah and without D Rose, I mean, the rest of the team just didn't have enough to get out of this first round and really just put the kibosh on a great, you know, what could have been story. You know, I don't, you know, under, obviously losing D Rose was huge and major and, and, you know, would the bulls would kind of shut a window for them on a championship, potential championship run or potential dynasty, whatever you want, want to call it, you know, D Rose not being able to stay healthy. But he had missed 27 games that season. The team had gone 50 and 16. Um, so even if they lost every single game he did not play, I mean they'd be 11 and 16, which isn't great. But it's you know you have to think that they also you know won some games that he didn't play. Right? He missed 27 games. They only had 16 losses. Um, so he wasn't the end all be all for the team. Obviously, he was still. A very very good team um, so with that being said you know um, I think it was losing Joakim Noah why they didn't make a, a much deeper playoff run and it's kind of demonstrated in the following season 2012-2013 Derrick Rose didn't play at all the entire season due to obviously the, the timing of his injury happening in the playoffs and it's a full year to recover um, you know the Bulls having the first first seed the previous season got the 29th pick picked Marcus Teague they also bring in uh or send out Kyle Corver to bring in cash and a trade exception right because obviously now they're in a position having cashed out an injured Derrick Rose where their capital is tied up um they have to let Kyle Corver go for basically nothing who is another huge piece but the team still goes 45 and 37 um, to finish fifth in the East, right? And this is without Derrick Rose and without Kyle Korver, who's like their knockdown three-point shooter. Um, they go 45 and 37. So the team is still respectable behind, you know, Jimmy Butler, Carlos Boozer, Joakim Noah, Taj Gibson, like that lineup. Um, unfortunately, their gentlemen swept in the second round by LeBron and the Heat after beating the Nets in seven on their way to an eventual championship. Um which brings them to the 2013-2014 season where they select Tony Snell with the 20th overall pick in the first round. They also trade away Luol Dang to bring in Andrew Bynum and a bunch of draft capital. They got a 2015 first round swap, 2015 second round pick, 2016 second round pick, 20... This can't be right. It says 2012 first round pick, but it's probably 2016. I just made a typo. Um, 
So basically a bunch of first round picks, Andrew Bynum, who they immediately waived for Luol Deng, who's been with the team since, you know, 2003, 2004 at this point, um, and had, had done pretty well. And, you know, the 2013, 2014 season, obviously, you know, had made, they had made some changes. Tony Snell was gone, uh, brought in young rookie out of UNLV. Luol Deng is gone after his, him being an important player for a long, long time. Um, but D Rose is back. D Rose is back. Um, but unfortunately he only plays 10 games, uh, before he's injured yet again. So on November 22nd, he injures his meniscus in his right knee and, once again, put on injured reserve, misses the entire season. The team still does well. They go 48 and 34 to go fourth in the East, but because, you know, some lingering injuries to some other players like Jimmy Butler and Carlos Boozer, um, they are gentlemen swept by the Wizards in the first round. Just can't get out of that first round of the playoffs. Um, and then that's where they decide, you know, obviously to make some changes. So 2014, 2015, 2014 draft. Uh, as we look at that, right, they do select Yusuf Nurkic and Gary Harris, but trade them away for Doug McDermott and Anthony Randolph. I would say that they probably got the short end of the stick here and Nuggets made out in that trade. Um, but they immediately trade Anthony Randolph uh, along with two second round picks for Milovan Rakovic, who, if you don't know who that is, it's probably because he didn't make a huge splash on the Bulls. Uh, but the Bulls win 50 games. They go 50 and 32. They finish third in the East. Uh, they beat the Bucks in six in the first round um, and basically just landslide them. Uh, but because of some infighting, team chemistry was not really on point between Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau and the locker room drama that ensued. Um, you know, the fact that the Bucks were able to get two games on them was really telling that the team wasn't really in a great position. Uh, from chemistry-wise, they really played up and down, like landslide victory, landslide loss, landslide victory, landslide loss. Um, and then, you know, and then they would lose to the Cavs yet again. And I feel like that's the story for a lot of these teams in the East once they, you know, get pretty good, especially in this stretch, right? It's like eventually they run into LeBron and LeBron makes it to the finals, right? Like, I feel like LeBron could have got his own episode over the last 10 years because he, like, he had that stint where he just went, like, 9 out of 10 years or something like that to the finals all between, like, 2012 and 2019. 2019 was the only one he missed, and then he was back in 2020, right? So, you know, he won with the Heat, won with the Heat, lost to the Spurs, lost to the Warriors, won with the Cavs, lost to the Warriors, lost to the Warriors, missed the finals, won against the Heat, right? Um, shout out LeBron, man. Shout out Le I talk a lot of shit about LeBron, but, you know, he's had a lot of success. And these Eastern Conference teams, as we go into them, eventually they run into LeBron and they lose. And for the, the Bulls in the 2015 playoffs, it was in the second round, and they lost in six. Tom Thibodeau is out as the head coach. He had gone 2,255 and 139 in his stint at head coach, 65% win percentage, which is very, very good. Um, and Fred Hoiberg is in as head coach. They select Bobby Portis with the 22nd overall pick in the first round. Um, and nothing really great happens in Fred's first season. They go 42 and 40. The team is sliding. They go ninth in the east um and then that's when they decide to really shake things up right so derrick rose and justin holiday are traded away to bring in jose calderon Dryan grant and robin lopez 
They also trade away Jose Calderon to the Lakers to bring in Ater Majak, which is a draft pick, which basically means they wanted some capital. Um, they also bring in Michael Carter-Williams from the Bucks and trade away Tony Snell. And also trade away Taj Gibson and Doug McDermott for Joffrey Levine, Anthony Morrow, Cameron Payne, who they waive most of them, right? So they officially are blowing up the Tom Thibodeau Bulls that had basically had its window shut for the last few years, but we're still trying to piece it all together and hoping that they can get to that next level. They go 41 and 41. They finish eighth in the East, but lose to the Celtics in six which brings them to the 2017-2018 season where they basically decide that the Jimmy Butler experience is over and trade him with the recently drafted Justin Patton to the Minnesota Timberwolves to bring in Chris Dunn, Laurie Markkinen, and Zach Levine. Laurie Markkinen, yet another player that was traded in this offseason that we're talking about. Um, it's funny how these episodes work and we just happen to be talking about these players over and over and how these teams are all interconnected. Funny when there's only 30, how, how often... They cross paths, right? Um, but they bring in Zach Levine, and Zach Levine is going to be their guy, right, that they're choosing to rebuild around. They also trade away Nikola Mirotic to bring in Tony Allen, Omir Ashik, Jameer Nelson, a 2018 first-round pick, and a 2021 pick swap from the New Orleans Pelicans. And then they turn around and quickly trade away Jameer Nelson for Willie Reed, Zach Levine, unfortunately, only plays 24 games during this 2017-2018 season. The team goes 27-55 and 55 to finish 13th in the East. It's their first losing season since 2008, which is 10 years without a losing season, which is impressive. Previous season, they went 541-41. Pre-season before that, they were a game above 500 at 42-40, and 40, but nevertheless, to win 27 games. It's just pitiful for this historic Chicago Bulls team. Um who haven't been this bad in a really long time. 2018-2019 season, they select Wendell Carter Jr. with the seventh overall pick. Fred Hoiberg doesn't make it much longer. He is let go on December 3rd of 2018 after posting a 115 and 155 record, 42.6% win percentage, so not very good. And he's replaced with Jim Boylan, Boylan with an E, because there's Jim Boylan with an A, who also coached the Chicago Bulls, prior to Vinny Del Negro, who was prior to Tom Thibodeau, which is very confusing to have two head coaches named Jim Boylan uh, just with different vowels. But nevertheless, uh, Jim Boylan comes in as the head coach, you know, after a 5-19 and start by Fred Hoiberg. And the team isn't done shaking things up. They trade away Justin Holiday to bring in Marshawn Books and Wayne Selden. They also trade away Michael Carter Williams to bring in some draft equity. They trade for Carmelo Anthony, bring him in, um, and also bring in Timothy Lawal Cabarro. They also trade away Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis to bring in Otto Porter, who had made a name for himself on this Bulls team. But the team doesn't fare any better. They go 22 and 60. They finish 13th in the East um, and are just continuing to be the Zach Levine show. Uh, where his help isn't really good enough for them to post really good records. 22-60 in the East is kind of pitiful. Um, but the following season, they get the seventh overall pick again. They also get the eighth overall pick in the second round and use those to select Kobe White and Daniel Gafford. They also trade for 
Thomas Sadoransky to bring him in. But the team doesn't improve at all. They go 22-43 and 43 to finish 11th in the lockout shortened season. I mean, the COVID shortened season. Um, and they don't even get invited to the bubble. They're one of eight teams who didn't make it to the bubble, uh, which leads to the firing of Jim Boylan, who had gone 39-84 and 84 in his tenure with the Bulls. 31.7% win percentage, which is worse of the coaches we've named so far on this pod, including the Nuggets head coaches, right? And Billy Donovan is brought in as head coach, who is still coach to this day. He's entering his third season as head coach. Um, they have the number four overall pick in the draft and select Patrick Williams. They also trade away Daniel Gafford, Chandler Hutchinson, Luke Cornett to bring in Troy Brown Jr., Javante Green, and Daniel Tice. Uh, midway through the season is when they make the the big trade with the Magic, who are blowing it up, uh, to bring in Nikola Vucevic and Al Farouk Aminu they all, they, by sending away Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., 2021 first-round pick and 2023 first-round pick. Um, but the team, yet again, doesn't do any better. They go 31-41 and 41 to finish 11th in the East, which is basically exactly the same finish that they had the season prior. Um, but here comes the moves by Chicago entering last season. They traded Thomas Sadoransky, who they had just acquired two years prior, and Garrett Temple and a second-round pick to bring in Lonzo Ball via sign-and-trade with the New Orleans Pelicans. They also trade away Al Farouk Aminu, who they just got the previous season in the Vucevic trade, and Thad Young, along with a 2025 first-round pick to bring in DeMar DeRozan via sign-and-trade. Um, and they trade away Laurie Marketing to bring in Derek Jones, a 2022 first-round pick, and a 2023 second-round pick. Um, the team does markedly better and they go 46 and 36 to finish sixth in the east but they're gentlemen swept by the bucks in the first round lots of hype built around this bulls team especially in december with demar Derozan absolutely going off but they are unable to capitalize on all that hype if for those of you that recall i even put a ticket on them to win the east in january which is how much hype they had but they really really stumbled towards the end of the season there and only finished 46 and 36. Now, you do want to give the Bulls a bit of a pass this previous season. They missed Patrick Williams for a vast majority of the season. He only played 17 games um, and was kind of like a defensive anchor for them. Alex Caruso missed 41 games. Lonzo Ball missed 47 games. Um, you know, Zach Levine missed 15 games, which is pretty normal, right? Just a little bit of time. And DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic, you know, played 76 and 73 games respectively. But, you know, missing Lonzo, Alex Caruso, Patrick Williams for that long last season, by the time they had returned, they were still shaking off some of those injuries and unfortunately just weren't very good in the playoffs. Um, so kind of want to fault the Bulls, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, injuries happen to every team, so you just got to kind of deal with them um and unfortunately you know for the bulls they weren't able to as they lose to the bucks getting gentlemen swept in the first round right and i don't even think it was close um this season though they've already started to make some moves right they bring in goran Dragic to help shore up some of that depth um with his veteran experience 
Billy Donovan is currently sitting at a perfect 77 and 77 uh, for a perfect 500, which I think is kind of weird, but is what it is. So this is kind of a make or break year, in my opinion, for Billy. Um, and the Bulls are in an interesting position, kind of opposite of the Nuggets. The Nuggets have, you know, obviously their core for a while all built in. Um, but the Bulls, not so much, right? They have, you know, Zach Levine through 2027, basically with a player option, Lonzo Ball through 2025. And then after that, you know, they kind of only have a lot of their team on on salary for this and next season, right? Vucevic is in a contract year. Um, you know, Patrick Williams is eligible for an extension next off season. DeMar DeRozan is only signed through next season. Um, so, you know, it's not that so much that you have to really get it going this year, but I think after this season, you got to really evaluate like, Hey, is Billy Donovan the coach for us? Hey, do we want to extend DeMar DeRozan and keep him through the same contract as Zach Levine? Uh, and then obviously Lonzo Ball can pick up his player option at the end at next off season as well. Um, so you have a bunch of decisions that got to be made with some star players but the roster looking at it top to bottom like really isn't bad right Zach Levine Lonzo Ball Alex Caruso the new draft pick Daylon Terry DeMar DeRozan Patrick Williams Andre Drummond Derek Jones Jr. Nikola Vucevic Kobe White Tony Bradley Ayo Desunmu and Goran Dragic right and then you have a bunch of players that probably won't see the light of day but those are like your core 10 um, and it's fairly good. Like you got some depth. You don't really have a ton of holes. Like you don't really have any like a plus 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 players, but you got enough players to be frisky, right? So now is it, can you get good coaching? Billy Donovan, I would argue is a good coach. And then, you know, can you stay healthy? Um, which for players like Levine and Caruso has been a challenge. Um, but, you know, for like DeMar and Vucevic and, and uh, you know, Goran Dragic, they've they've been able to stay healthy. Maybe Dragic not so much recently, but um, for the most part they have. Because if you don't, like you really don't have any draft capital. You spent all your draft capital, specifically your first rounds, bringing in, you know, the, these players. Um, and obviously you don't have a lot of cap space. You're already at $149 million well into the luxury tax. Buyout players aren't really an option for you. So the roster is what it is, and you have to make it work. But I'm I'm confident in this Bulls team. Now, unfortunately, they're in the division with um, the Bucks, and in so probably aren't in a great position to win the division. But nevertheless, I think that they are they could they could be a long shot bet to win the division, depending upon the odds. I wouldn't be mad at it, right? But it is a tough division. It's Cleveland, Chicago, Milwaukee at the top. You have Indiana and Detroit who, out of the Eastern teams that I know are going to be shitty, are scrappy. So I wouldn't obviously bet on Indiana or Detroit to win the division. But you probably get some pretty good odds between Cleveland, Chicago, and Milwaukee, especially with this Donovan Mitchell addition, right? Like it'd be nice to see some preseason games and everything like that. Um but obviously we don't have to make a decision and that decision isn't going to be made until we do our big episode on the 12th. So you just have to wait for us to get through, you know, five, five more weeks um, 
till we're on the 12th and we can do our big beta palooza episode um you know so keep that in your calendars as an episode to listen to um you know thank you as always for listening to everything so far you know we got only 10 more teams to go through all together next week we got the raptors and the jazz so of course we talk about the jazz today anyways but we're going to talk about the raptors and the jazz um another championship team going through the raptors next week so that you know obviously we'll be back on wednesday to do that um hope everybody enjoys the first week of nfl football i hope your fantasy football team is awesome you know, tomorrow we have an excellent game or what should be an excellent game between the Bills and the Rams to kick it off. Make sure everybody's safe. Um, obviously, you know, if you are going to be drinking on Sunday and you have to work on Monday, just be responsible. Um, you know, you don't need to hear all that from me. You already know what to do and all that good stuff. But uh, enjoy the first weekend of football. And, uh, you know, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.